Hello there, this is Mark Bauerlein with another conversation. Before we get to it, a word about one of our sponsors. Located in the foothills of Wyoming's spectacular Wind River Range, Wyoming Catholic College, an accredited four-year Great Books Institution, is built on the ancient Western tradition of the liberal arts and the freedom of the American West. The college offers its students an immersion in the primary sources of the classical tradition, the grandeur of the mountain wilderness, and the spiritual heritage of the Catholic Church. Students experience the illumination of imagination and intellect through the great books and traditional disciplines, literature and philosophy, mathematics and theology, science and Latin, and an outdoor program second to none. The college celebrated an in-person graduation with its seniors last year and welcomed its largest freshman class ever this year. Learn more about the college's unique space in the world of American higher education at wyomingcatholic.edu. Stanley Kurtz is with us again. He is—he he was here uh, a while back to discuss civics education. He's at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. Uh, he is here to discuss education issues once more in light of recent developments in curriculum, in parent activism, and sort of the broad—the broad picture of of maybe we'll call it the politicization of lower uh, education in the United States. Uh, he has an article recently at National Review entitled Parents Can Save Western Civilization, which will be our springboard. Welcome again, Stanley. Mark, thanks so much for having me back. Uh, tell us, uh, what is the main contention in the National Re- the recent National Review article? Well, Mark, uh, my main point was that I don't think it's a coincidence that parents have taken center stage in this pushback against the left, both in education specifically and more broadly uh, across the whole political spectrum. Why are parents in the lead in the counter-movement to woke? And Ultimately, I think the reason for that has to do with, um, well, with the fact that they're parents. And what I mean is that for decades now, we have seen the growth of this woke point of view. We used to call it political correctness. And the pattern has been really the same for decades, some sort of accusation of racism, sexism, homophobia, bigotry of some sort or or another is leveled. And once that accusation is leveled, there is a basic calculus that individuals go through. Do I push back on this? Do I say, no, teaching Western civilization is not racist? Or do I say affirmative action really violates our fundamental principles of individual merit? Uh, Because if I do that, then I'm going to get called a racist. Uh, My school is being called a racist. The curriculum is being called racist, but I'm not. And so maybe I better just shut up. That would be safer. That would be better. And that calculus has been at work for decades. And the result has been that the accusations just keep growing because the left understands that when they level these accusations of racism, sexism, bigotry, of this sort or that sort, everyone is afraid to push back. And that means they just keep expanding their accusations until 
the accusations cover our constitutional system and the underlying principles of liberal democracy themselves to the point where now we're supposed to label the entire system as racist. And if you fight back and say, no, this systemic racism charge is nonsense, you will get called a racist. So there's no limit to what they can do unless and until they run into parents. And why is that? Because the calculus for parents is different than the calculus of an ordinary adult individual. If you're just looking out for your own best interests, it's best to shut up, to stay quiet, to let them make their crazy accusations, to grumble, and let them get their way. That's how it was with affirmative action, and that's how it's been ever since. But what if they're coming for your kids? And parents, when it comes to their children, are not calculating self-interested individuals. At base, they are willing to sacrifice themselves for the sake of their children. The calculus of a parent is the calculus of sacrifice, of stewardship, of obligation. Uh, It's the same as the calculus of a soldier, ultimately. And what we need now are soldiers. And parents have become the soldiers because they are willing to fight back against these false accusations. They are willing to protect their children at the cost of being tangled up in these ludicrous accusations of bigotry uh, because they are parents. And that is why we're seeing what we're seeing now. And you would have a hard time pigeonholing all these parents as social conservatives, right-wing Republicans. When I saw them speaking, uh, clips of them at, at the school board meetings, you can't really identify them closely with, say, the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. Is that, is that accurate to say? Oh, I absolutely agree, Mark. Uh, when, when you start telling young children, children 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, that they somehow bear the guilt of racism and bigotry because of what the color of someone's skin was 100 years ago, who they may or may not have even been related to, a lot of people weren't even, uh, their ancestors weren't even in the United States 100, 150 years ago or whatever. When you start making children feel bad about themselves, it really doesn't matter what party the parents are. And the same thing is happening on the Democratic side, especially with independents. But even with a pretty fair number of Democrats don't want their children Uh, to be made to feel bad about themselves because of the color of their skin. But like everyone else, they are afraid to push back against the left side of their own party. And uh, but again, when you do it to the kids, everything flips. You want to go on offense, not on defense. Seems like we always have to be reactive to uh, leftist uh, offensive actions. You identify Western civilization as a very good beginning for parents who want to get active. What is the advantage here of Western Civ? Well, that's right, Mark. I want to go on offense. Of course, we want to stop the teaching of critical race theory and the ideas derived from critical race theory. No doubt about it. But 
that's just the beginning because that's merely um, a negative campaign. We're going to stop the teaching of X. The reason we're in trouble is because what has been taught in the schools uh, has been bad. It's been illiberal, and it is behind this movement of woke. So to solve the problem, we have to teach something positive. What should we teach? Well, for one thing, we ought to teach Western Civ because it was the banning of Western Civ that began to get us into this trouble to begin with. These problems did originate in the 60s, but they came to maturity in academia in the late 80s and 90s. That's when Western Civ was pushed out of the curriculum. That's when the whole idea of political correctness began. And there's, there's something substantive here. It isn't just a symbolic reversal of the battle we've had. If you look around at some of the shoutdowns we've seen in the last few years at colleges, you see signs like this. Liberalism is white supremacy. Rule of law is white supremacy. These are actual signs that have been held at shoutdowns of speakers. If you understand the history of Western civilization, if you understand that it was a fragile, long, difficult process stretching from the beginnings of Greek democracy uh, in ancient days to uh, the development of Roman law to the Middle Ages, the Magna Carta, the beginnings of rule of law in England, the fundamental Judeo-Christian background of liberal democracy, which has roots all the way back into the biblical period, you begin to understand how fragile liberalism in the classical liberal sense of the word is and how fragile rule of law is, and you don't easily put them aside. That's why it was having studied Western civilization for decades that I think contributed to the sense of reverence that people had for rule of law, classical liberal principle, that they would not so crudely push them aside as we're seeing now. And it's no coincidence, I think, that the current generation hasn't been educated in that background. We saw this come up during the war on terror when people were talking about the issue of democratization in the Muslim world, and some people made the point that this is not something you can impose quickly or easily. It took us hundreds of years and tremendous level of conflict in order to even get to the point where we are. But the background that would allow you to say that has fallen away, as has the reverence that people have for the achievement that American democracy and our constitutional system uh, represent. So if we could put back the teaching of Western civilization, now it might sound crazy, it might sound like a fantasy, but it's not. What has happened traditionally in K-12 education is that it just apes whatever has gone on in higher education. So when higher education junked the study of Western Civ, so did K-12, and they started teaching something called world history. Now, at first, it didn't matter much. That was just a relabeling of what was basically Western Civ when it came to history that was not American history. Uh, they just labeled it world history instead of European history or ancient history. But nowadays, they really have junked Western Civ. 
A lot of places don't even teach the Middle Ages at all, so you can't learn about the Magna Carta or the beginnings of rule uh, of law in England. Not to mention, you can't learn about the history of Christianity um, in, in the West. You can't understand either uh, Catholicism or the Reformation or the Counter-Reformation or all the different actions and interactions. You can't understand any of that. And instead of all this, they've started teaching a true world history curriculum, which means that they've started teaching uh, that national and civilizational boundaries don't matter very much, and they're now literally and consciously teaching to inculcate a sense of global citizenship. So we can actually push back on that because we don't have to ape what uh, higher education does. Parents, if they really take control of school boards and state legislatures, have the power through state standards to force the teaching of Western civilization back into the curriculum, and there's nothing higher ed can do about it. So that's what I recommend. Will that then force schools of education, which are some of the most partisan left portions of the college campus, will they have to start training teachers a little more in Western Civ? <laughs> that is a great question. I think they'll be very reluctant to do that, but uh, I have an app for that. Uh, I'm hoping to come out with model legislation sometime in the next few weeks, I hope. I'm working with a partner, so I don't fully control the timing of this, but I'm hoping soon to come out with model state-level legislation that would create an alternative path for teacher certification so that teachers would no longer have to attend these woke ed schools and get degrees from them in order to receive certification. And that alternative pathway could operate through things like um, subject matter tests, and while some of those tests no, no doubt would be written by the ed school people themselves, there uh, could arise independent testing groups that would have their own tests that actually tested on Western civ knowledge. Say. Well, well, Stanley, I, I believe that this, this massive civics, civics education bill that Senators Cornyn and, and Chris Coons uh, co-sponsored, that, that's going to give $150 million to the ed schools each year for several years. The Biden administration will then have people who will help divvy up that money and send out the awards for that. They're going to love Western civilization, isn't that correct? Won't, won't, the, Biden, won't the Biden administration be pushing Western civ very hard on, on, on Harvard and Columbia Teachers College? <laughs> well, that is, that is the reason why, of course, uh, you're joking, and, and that is the reason why that Cornyn and Coons bill is a terrible, terrible idea, because they will fatten up the uh, woke ed schools with all sorts of grants to churn out more uh, woke uh, curricula, and that would be a terrible development. Uh, but we still, if we pass these state-level bills, we could create our own alternative uh, testing um, groups that uh, would give an alternative path to teacher um, certification. But yes, the trend of uh, the um, the Coons and Cornyn bill and this misguided Educating for American Democracy project is to, and they say this very explicitly, is to strengthen the partnership 
between higher education institutions and K-12. That is exactly the opposite of what we need to do. We need to break that partnership and push back from below. We can start to take over the culture from below because our strength is with the parents for all the reasons I discussed earlier in the local districts. And then we're next strongest at the state level. At the federal level, we're the least strong. That's where the woke elites hold the most sway. So we have to start pushing from the bottom up against higher ed. Well, one thing that I would note, a positive sign of this, and this could be the, the power of parents, is, you know, Stanley, these classical, classical schools, Western Civ-type curricula, schools that are starting up, are, they're exploding. I mean, I know it's a small, it's been a small pool, but the rate of growth is, is very high. And this year, you, you, you've got a report coming out on, on this. There, I think there's a lot of parents who, who will have a hunger for this if, uh, as, as these Western Civ-style schools open. Have you seen that? Absolutely. Classical education is growing indeed, and it's a wonderful answer. And I think what we want to do is simultaneously try to, of course, the parents going into the school boards and voting for state legislators are going to be able to influence the direction of public education. But at the same time, I think you're seeing a growing exodus of um, parents from the public school system toward private schools, many of them classical schools. We still have to beware of several things, that many of the private schools are as woke or more woke than the public schools. So you really have to vet your school well and make sure that your classical school is a real classical school and not just another version of a woke school. We also have to be careful when engaging in school choice. Vouchers are probably not the way to go. Uh, I know when the rebellion, the parents' rebellion against Common Core began, it actually started with a couple of mothers who had sent, taken their kids out of the public school system and sent them to a private Catholic school. So here they were at this parochial school, and the kids brought back these um, math, these sort of fuzzy math textbooks, and the mothers were distressed, and they discovered that the school had to change to Common Core because they accepted vouchers from the state. This was in Indiana. So school choice is uh, not a perfect solution, but it can be a good solution, but it's got to be done the right way because there's a risk that if you go to a voucher method or some other method that lets the state control flow with the money, you could, break, you could be breaking down the barrier that makes private schooling independent. Would AP, the college board, be of any help on this? Would they, would they, what would they say if you said, we want an AP course on Western civilization? AP is a disaster. The College Board is a disaster. The, the remains of Western Civ, such as it is, are in AP European history, which has a terrible, terrible curriculum, which was critiqued very powerfully by a report from the National Association of Scholars. Also, and this is of interest, uh, I think, especially to you, because of your uh, humanities 
focus, the a, a, a art history AP test, AP art history, in a way is a holdout for Western Civ, or at least it used to be, because it would trace art history from the classical period through the Middle Ages through modern times. That was really a quasi-Western Civ curriculum. Unfortunately, the revised College Board AP art history curriculum is horrible and does everything it possibly can to break up the Western Civ narrative. But I'm hopeful that this group, American Achievement Testing, which I've written about and which is working with Wilfred McClay to craft a U.S. history curriculum, which would be a good history curriculum, building that curriculum around Wilfred McClay's wonderful textbook, Land of Hope, which can be read by anyone. I'm hopeful that uh, if that succeeds, they'll be able to someday put out um, a Western Civ curriculum as a real alternative to the College Board's utterly degraded AP European history uh, curriculum. Let's pause for a moment to ask if you are looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium. That's the University of Dallas in Irving, Texas. Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the university offers an exceptional liberal arts education with undergraduate and graduate programs in arts and sciences, business, and ministry, as well as a campus in Rome, Italy, all of them preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Let's shift to another related topic. You had a piece a few months back entitled, Gnome Must Fix South Dakota Standards Fiasco. This was also in National Review. What was the issue in that piece, especially in light of Governor Nome's high repute among conservatives? Well, this was a classic case of um, a red state controlled by a woke education bureaucracy. And this is the sad truth, not only in South Dakota, but across the country. It is, it is the case, I believe, and I have spoken to quite a few sta uh, conservative-leaning state legislators about this. The fact of the matter is, even in the most ruby-red state, the education bureaucrats, the people who staff the departments of education, even if there is, say, a conservative political appointee, a secretary of education, most of the people at the Department of Education will be radical left. They'll be woke, literally. And um, in South Dakota, we have a situation where Christy Nome has made all sorts of public pledges about being conservative on education issues, but she is staffed by the same woke education bureaucracy as every other red state. I don't think she acted aggressively enough to curtail this, but her failings here, unfortunately, are illustrative of a larger pattern among Republican governors. Republican governors have got to appoint secretaries of education who will clean out the leftist bureaucrats because South Dakota produced classically woke state standards under Nome's watch. And because um, South Dakota was very uh, right-leaning, there were some dissidents there, and I was able to get information on what really happened. And it is a frightening story. The way these woke bureaucrats deliberately defied Nome's pledges 
for a more traditional leaning um, state standards and injected the most extreme sort of world history, global citizenship, education, and every other aspect of the woke curriculum into these state standards uh, right under the noses of, uh, of Governor Nome. And uh, what we ought to be doing is putting in actively uh, traditional slash conservative secretaries of education, bringing in new people into the bureaucracy and building up curricula like Western Civ and a better American history curriculum. Uh, we could do all that. We have the power to do that now, but we have neglected it. At what point, Stanley, do Republican leaders realize that they must not follow the advice of scholarly organizations such as the National Council for Social Studies because of their hard left-wing bias? I think this is the point. <laughs> At what point? The point now, right now, that the parents have awakened. And frankly, prior to uh, this moment, most Republican governors, education just wasn't a priority for them because it wasn't a priority for voters, and it certainly wasn't a priority for sort of the powerful donor class of the Republican Party. They just poo-pooed education issues. Um, the donors tend to be the people who went to business school and started businesses, and uh, they remained, they kept their sanity because they didn't take the wacky humanities courses run by these uh, leftists. Uh, but now, uh, uh, the Republicans are beginning to realize that education is at the root of all of our problems and that it is actually a winning political issue. And I think that provides at least the hope of a turnaround. But we have to work on them by explaining to them that their education bureaucracies are in the hands of the other side, even in deep-dyed red states. D did the victory of Glenn Youngkin send signals throughout Republican governor universe? It did, but my question is, is the signal only, and Christy Nome here, Christy Nome, I hope, and think now, actually, uh, in part as a result of this fiasco, is, is starting to do the right thing, and I hope she will. We'll, we'll see. That's a sort of wait and see. But the question is, Will they do what Christy Nome did at first, which is just sort of say the right things politically, but not follow through in a deep way? I think all the governors have gotten the message, oh, we need to talk about this. But do they understand that you've got to go beyond talk and really do something? You've got to shake up the governing structure of your departments of education and put some real attention onto this issue. And that remains to be seen. You, you identify a, a tactic, you, as you put it, to use bland jargon to disguise leftist political agendas. Uh, I mean, isn't, isn't diversity, Stanley, just a nice happy mix of different people respecting and enjoying one another? <laughs> Absolutely, Mark. That's their trick. And as I, uh, as I explained in, in one of my South Dakota pieces, really, there was an extraordinary video which, by the way, has been taken down from the Internet since I wrote about it. There was a video by the um, woman who was brought in to be a consultant to South Dakota in constructing its new state standards. Her name was Beth Ratway. And um, Ratway had a video where she was instructing teachers on how to teach for social justice. And what she did was 
She clued them into these bland phrases within state standards, which are quite deliberately inserted there by these woke bureaucrats. Phrases like multiple perspectives or think like a historian. And if you hear that at first, you think, well, that sounds reasonable. But what she was really telling them was put in this hard left quasi Marxist stuff. And if you're challenged by parents, tell them, well, the standards say we should use multiple perspectives. Uh, this was just one of the multiple perspectives. Or think like a historian. Uh, do you know how historians think nowadays? <laughs> they, they basically think like neo-Marxists, you know, so you can bring up almost anything you want uh, from the far left end of the spectrum. And when the parents get upset, and this was right in the video where she was telling the, par the uh, teachers, if the parents come and complain, just say we're thinking like a historian. And, and this is something that 80% of South Dakota voters would be appalled if they saw that. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. a political winner for Republicans. Stanley, why, why aren't they on this? I mean, Glenn Youngkin, uh, well, you know, Terry McAuliffe handed them <laughs> the, 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 that, that, that lever. They almost, you know, couldn't, couldn't not accept what, what Terry McAuliffe gave them. But do... I mean, is this going to be, are we going to see a lot of this uh, next year in the midterms? I hope so. I think we're going to hear a lot of talk, and, and that will be good talk. But again, will there be the follow-through? And there is a Republican education establishment, which doesn't see things this way at all. The Republican education establishment, which has dominated in Washington, D.C. for years, which brought us the Common Core, they believe in bipartisanship in education. They want to partner with the education left. And what the Republican education establishment usually gets out of that bargain is maybe some extra testing and accountability. But they give up on curriculum. They surrender on curriculum or they strike a pose of lecturing their leftist partners. You know, you'll really do a lot better with parents if you're not quite so hard left. And then they go to bed at night and tell themselves, boy, I really told those leftists on behalf of conservatives. But what they're really doing, but the leftists don't change because there's no real leverage there. And, they're just, and they just give political cover to the left. The left says, well, we've partnered with these establishment conservatives, so we're bipartisan. And then the public is tricked into believing that their side has you know, had their say. This strategy has failed. This is why we're in the mess we're in. The Republican education establishment has been a disaster for our side in these battles. And increasingly, I think, they're getting uh, pushed aside and left in the wake, but they remain a power to be reckoned with. And many, many people who are part of this Republican education establishment get appointed the secretaries of state, and then they take the attitude of, I'm going to collaborate with these ed schools. And oftentimes, even when they want to do a better job of holding up their side, they don't understand these, these jargon-laden tricks. And the other side runs circles around even a Republican um, secretary of education who has only a couple uh, establishment types to advise them, and they want to be, quote, bipartisan, end quote. Meanwhile, uh, lesson plans are, are created and put into the classroom by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Yes, exactly. And this was a Southern Poverty Law Center 
publication was one of the guiding publications for this fiasco of South Dakota state standards that was finally, fortunately, thrown out by uh, Christy Nome. But initially, if it hadn't been publicized, she probably would have gone ahead with it without even realizing what she was doing. The SPLC and the National Council for Social Studies were the uh, were the groups that were favored by Beth Ratway, who was the consultant hired by South Dakota, and using material from the Southern Poverty Law Center and the National Council for Social Studies, all far-left groups, were, was actually in the contract that was signed by South Dakota for these new standards at the same moment that Nome was publicly promising to fight all of these trends. The article uh, is Parents Can Save Western Civilization. It was in National Review. I'm, I'm going to take that as a note of optimism, Stanley. Yes? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Stanley Kurtz, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, Mark. And thank you for listening to our conversation, which has been supported by Wyoming Catholic College, which combines great books, the Catholic tradition, and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930.